Perhaps at some point in your life you've had to pick someone up or you were going to meet someone that you had never met before and uh, you weren't sure what they looked like. Now, I know that in uh, today's society we have camera phones and that type of thing. Now we can text a picture and say, hey, here's what I look like, look for me and that type of thing. But uh, it wasn't too long ago in the past that we would have to describe somebody. What did they look like? And and uh, what to look for as you were going to meet them for the first time. And there would be certain attributes that you would describe a person with that would stand out to somebody else. Well, as we approach the Easter season, uh, we look back and we think, okay, what caused uh, believers or, or caused the Jewish people to look for a Messiah? And what were they looking for in particular? And how do we know as Christians that Jesus is God's anointed one, the Messiah that was promised to the Christ? What was so special about Jesus? How were people supposed to recognize Jesus? Well, ancient peoples were looking for a Messiah. The word means anointed one who, according to the scriptures, would meet certain criteria. How well did Jesus meet those criteria? Well, before we get into that, I want us to look at the uh, look at the reason why there was even a need for a savior in the first place. Why was there even a need for a savior in the first place? And in that we will see uh, uh, the need or the first promise of the Messiah. Look to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter 3. We have the problem of the fall of mankind. The problem of the fall of mankind. Genesis 3, we'll read verses 1 through 5. Adam and Eve have been created. They've been placed in the Garden of Eden. And they've been told that they can eat of the fruit of any of the trees except for one. One tree, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. We read there, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I want to paraphrase for you verses 4 and 5. Satan says to Adam and Eve, you will not die. He's implying there that God is a liar. And then he says, God's, God knows something you don't. That when you eat of it, you will be like him. He's implying here that God is deceiving Adam and Eve, that God doesn't want what is best for them. Also, to be like God, you have to disobey God. That doesn't make much sense, but that's the way Satan works. We get tempted by things and we desire them. So we look on to verses 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise... She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and 
they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And with that, mankind was plunged into sin and condemnation. In mercy, God would not allow anyone to live forever in this fallen state. Death became a certainty. But just like a flower cut from its roots, humans live for a time, giving them an opportunity to seek salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. But without repentance, death and an eternity in hell will result. With the fall of mankind into sin, there became a need for a Savior, someone to undo what Satan had undone, someone to set things right between God and humanity. Mankind needed a Savior, but how would they recognize Him? Well, we find the answer in God's curse placed upon Satan. Look at Genesis 3.15. Here we find a promise of a seed to save mankind. Genesis 3.15 says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I want to read to you a rather extended quote from Alistair Begg and Sinclair Ferguson's book, Name Above All Names says this, Genesis 3.15 has long been referred to as the Proto-Evangelium, the first announcement of the good news of the gospel. It contains the earliest promise of Christ's coming, a prophecy that his appearance will be the climax of an extended conflict. Notice how it is expressed. First of all, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Secondly, between your offspring and her offspring. And then thirdly, He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In the first statement, God declares enmity between the serpent and the woman. In the second statement, God indicates that this will continue beyond the lifetime of Eve and involve the offspring of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And in the third statement, God says that enmity will come to a climax when the offering, that is he, or excuse me, the offspring, that is he of the woman, bruises or crushes the head of the serpent. The conflict ends in victory of the seed of the woman. So there is a development in this verse from enmity between two individuals, the serpent and Eve, to enmity between two family lines, their offspring, to a final outcome. The woman's offspring will crush the head of the serpent. That's from Name Above All Names by Alistair Begg and Sinclair Ferguson. So we have the seed of the woman versus the seed of Satan. Now, who are the who are the children of the devil? Well, it's interesting. We can make a connection in that we find in this judgment that God brings upon Adam and Eve and Satan that Adam and Eve are not cursed. They've been blessed by God. And so what has been blessed by God cannot now be cursed. But Satan is cursed. So who are going to be the children of Satan? Well, we find out a little bit later on as we read on that Cain kills his brother Abel. And he refuses to repent of that. And as such, God curses Cain. And using language similar to that of what he did with Eve and with Satan, God curses Cain. And so we learn that the seed of the serpent are those who like Cain, will not repent of their sin, and they disobey God. 
First John 3, 8 puts it this way. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So the offspring of a woman would be the one who would save mankind from their sin, this early promise that we find. Next, we see some fine-tuning of what to look for in this seed. Thus begins a long period of looking for the promised seed of the woman. The Scriptures tell the story of Jesus Christ and God's plan of salvation. Throughout this story, we catch glimpses of what God's people were to look for in this one who was to come and crush Satan. If you look over to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we see that he will be a son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the seed of the woman is going to come through Abraham. And all the nations would be blessed through this seed. We see the blessing and the cursing continue here in this passage. This covenant with Abraham was later confirmed with his son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob. And then Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And his sons became the twelve tribes of Israel. Sometimes referred to as the children of Israel. Then we see another fine-tuning. Out of all these twelve tribes, which tribe... Would the seed come from when Jacob was uh, old, he called his sons together and he prophesied concerning their future. And when Jacob spoke of Judah, he said this in Genesis 49, verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples or the nations. This is where the blessing of the nations will come through this this son that's going to be born of Judah, who's going to rule. He has a scepter. So now we see that the seed of the woman would be a king of the lineage of Jacob. But before there was ever a king in Israel, the people of Israel went down into Egypt and eventually ended up as slaves to Pharaoh. God sent Moses to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt and bring them to the promised land of Canaan. And it was during this exodus from Egypt And just before the Israelites entered into the promised land that we learned some more about what to look for in the seed of the woman that was to come. In Deuteronomy 18, Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19, Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19, we read this. Moses is speaking. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Oreb on the day of assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. 
there's going to come a prophet one day from the line of Judah, but he's going to be like Moses. He's going to stand in the gap between God and humanity. He'll be uh, a priest-like figure and a prophet who stands between God and the people, speaking their words, God's words to the people. So the seed of the woman would be a prophet like Moses. But later on, we see David rise to become a king, and we learn some more about the seed of the woman and what to expect from him. In 2 Samuel 7:16, a promise is made to David, a covenant is made with him. It says, "In your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. One of the kings that rises out of David's loins is going to rule forever. He's going to have a, an eternal life and an eternal kingdom. But then King David reveals another nugget of information about the seed of the woman in one of the Psalms that he wrote. Not only would the woman's seed be a king, he would also be a priest. In Psalm 110, verses 1 through 4, David writes this, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. A king, a priest, a prophet like Moses. So this seed of the woman that we are to look for will have certain characteristics. The Bible is a collection of 66 books written by at least 37 different authors inspired over a period of approximately 1,200 years that present without contradiction a unified account of God's plan to save mankind through faith in Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at how Jesus was the seed of the woman. We find the fulfillment in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Jesus was born of a virgin, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. In all of Scripture, the son's lineage is traced through the father, but not Jesus. Jesus was born of a woman. No male was involved in his conception. Jesus would be the new Adam formed by God in the womb of his mother. Look to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35. We're going to see creation language used here as a new Adam is formed, not out of the dirt, but out of a virgin's womb. Luke 1:26 In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said Greetings O favored one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be and the angel said to her Do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, as the Spirit hovered over the earth in creation. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Joseph, the man to whom Mary was betrothed, was obviously troubled about this unexpected uh, pregnancy. We tend to forget the humanity of this situation. Mary is going to be carrying a child that uh, is not her betrothed husband's with her. She's betrothed and not married. There's going to be shame associated with this. But yet the angel has said, uh, you are highly favored of God. You are blessed. Joseph, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus was born of a virgin, God in the flesh, come to save his people by dying for their sins. He was born of a virgin, but he was also a son of David. Jesus was the son of David through both his earthly father in Matthew 1. Uh, We have Joseph's uh, lineage. And then in Luke chapter 3, from his mother's line, he is also a son of David. So we can see that Jesus was the seed of a woman, a son of David. Now, do we find anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus is explicitly described as the seed of a woman? Well, we do. In fact, we hear it from the Savior's own lips in two crucial points in his ministry when he refers to his mother with the title woman. Look at John chapter 2. Find both of these in John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now look down to verse 11. This, the first of his signs... Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, you may have been like me when I first started reading the Bible, and I came to this passage, and I thought of my own son with his mom, and and if she ever asked him to do something, even if he was grown, and he said, Woman, what does this have to do with me? I would be tempted to bring him back under my wing and spank him, right? 
But that's not what Jesus is not being disrespectful here when he talks to Mary uh, and calls her woman. He is calling her woman as a title. This is to cue us in that he is the seed of the woman. The ministry of the seed of the woman is initiated by turning water into wine. Wine was a real blessing in the ancient world because it took something that was probably impure, such as water, especially in city environments, and it made it pure through uh, the fermentation process. So he turns water into wine, remaking something impure into something purified. Remember earlier we referenced uh, 1 John 3, 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. You see, Jesus is beginning the work of restoring this fallen world, undoing the damage caused by Satan. Then the second place that we find Jesus referring to Mary as woman is when he's hanging on the cross. It is at this moment that Satan thinks he is delivering a death blow to God's plan. When in fact Jesus, through the cross, is simply going to bruise his heel as he crushes Satan's power. Remember, the cross is God's triumph over the evil spiritual realm. I'll read to you from Colossians 2 before we look at the passage in John chapter 19. Colossians 2.13 And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Or in the cross, Christ triumphed over Satan and his minions. The seed of the serpent is about to crush the head of the serpent. And we read in John 19:25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman. Behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus making sure that his mother would be taken care of. While Satan attempts to crush Jesus at the cross, it is upon the cross where Jesus crushes the head of Satan. So at the beginning and the end of his ministry, Jesus refers to Mary by a title, Woman. Because she is the woman who bore the seed who would crush the serpent. Remember the paraphrase we had of Satan's temptation of Eve? You will not die, implying that God is a liar. God knows something you don't. That when you eat of it, you will be like him, implying that God is deceiving you. God doesn't want what is best for you. Well, Eve saw that the fruit was good and she took and she ate. Jesus reverses that destructive decision for you and I when Jesus said in the Passover meal, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. See, beloved, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, God joins us to him 
And His righteousness becomes ours. And His death pays for our sins. God loves you. He demonstrated that by triumphing over Satan and his legions at the cross. In Romans 5, 8, we read, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross proves God's love for us. Not our circumstances. We go through difficult circumstances in life. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. God showed His love for us. And that He died for us while we were still sinners. Ancient peoples were looking for a Messiah who, according to the Scriptures, would be the seed of a woman. A prophet like Moses. A priest like Melchizedek. And a king like David. How did Jesus fulfill what the Scriptures told the people to look for in a Messiah? How did Jesus fulfill the Scriptures concerning the seed of the woman? Well, Jesus fulfilled the Scriptures concerning a Messiah who was the seed of a woman by being born of a woman without the aid of a man, being a descendant of Abraham and of David, and by triumphing over Satan through the cross. Don't you see Him this morning? Don't you recognize Him? Jesus is the promised seed of a woman, looked for since the beginning of humanity. Won't you call on Him and be saved today? Have you placed your faith in Christ alone for your salvation? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, I urge you to do so today. He's your only hope. We're all sinners, but Christ died, shed His blood for us. He died as a covenant offering for you and I. And then God resurrected Him from the dead to be our Lord. Because when we place our faith in Christ as our Savior, God joins us to Him. And and I don't know about you, but I don't want to be joined to a dead man. I want to be joined to a living Savior. That's the importance of the resurrection, which we celebrate every Sunday. But in particular, we'll be celebrating next Sunday. But we have a hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Won't you place your faith in Him as your Lord and Savior today? Turn from your sin and trust the Savior. And then, if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, I hope that your faith is strengthened in the fact that we can know from the Scriptures that Jesus Christ fulfilled them for us. That He is that promised seed of the woman. And that you will be emboldened to go and share your faith. Folks, we do not believe a myth. We believe the truth. Go and tell others about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And be strengthened. Perhaps you're struggling with sin in your life. Your faith is not in something that is made up. Your faith is made in a resurrected Savior who is worthy of our obedience. Not Not for our salvation, but because of our salvation. Because of what He did for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ shed His blood for us. What a Savior. What a God. Let's not waste our lives living for ourselves. Let's live for the One who was promised all the way back in the very beginning in Genesis. Who was to come and to crush the head of the serpent.